Welcome back, 2209. Today we have a new group um, of our coworkers from Local 2209 that also have been engaging in the United Front classes. So we're going to listen to you know their take on it. Today we had one take on. Today maybe we'll have a different take. As we grow, we learn. We all have different inputs and different outputs and different ways that things correlate with us as humans. So I would like to welcome our guest today. If you guys could introduce yourselves, appreciate it. Keisha Pulverenti, I work in the body shop. Beverly Henry, I'm a team leader in quality, GA side. Jamie Teller, I'm a team leader on Doorline, GA. Heather Edwards, trim shop. So we're discussing United Front again today. And um, I mean, there's all these vocabulary words in here. Uh, will one of you give me what you what the class is about, like a summary, generalize it. What have you guys learned? Um, what is the class about? Anybody? Um, well, one of the things we learned about was imposter syndrome. And a lot of times uh, we know like we don't know the technical names for these things like you go through this and then all of a sudden you get a name to it and you're like ah that's that's what I'm going through and the de definition of imposter syndrome is a psychological state where individuals have and express self-doubt about their skills and accomplishments despite the evidence that indicates otherwise and this this really kind of hit heavy with me um, I think every one of us feels like we're not worthy of something and therefore people are going to look at us like we're less of a human being and it's simply not true and it was great for me because it kind of taught me like hey you know just reach out get some help it doesn't make you less of a person because you don't know how to do something as simple as making a pdf file in a computer all the way to solving some major problem that's kind of one of the core values of the union. We all work together for the betterment of everyone else. So it really hit home to me. And also, I might be suffering from it. There are others are, others are as well. And don't discredit someone because they don't understand something. So why do you think imposter syndrome, so the United Front, we discussed a little bit yesterday, diversity, uh, equality, and inclusion. Why do you think that this is a big, core in this program I was gonna say just to learn how to speak up for people that don't feel like they can for themselves right so for me when you were describing it I was just thinking like we all have like feelings that we think that only we feel right so yeah and you said you can't put a name to it but um, I felt it before and discussing it now I know that other people feel it so it kind of helps with you know, bringing us together and making us realize that knowing that I'm not the only one feeling it, it kind of helps me realize that I'm not alone. So with the diversity, equality, and inclusion, knowing that other people feel the same way you do at different times or about similar things, it might help with the inclusion, I think. And not only that, it makes it easier to reach out and ask for help. Right. And like I said, whether it's a technical issue something small all the way up to an emotional feeling just simply understanding the fact that somebody may not understand what's going on can like bring everybody's guards down and give everyone an equal opportunity to express how they're feeling instead of feeling devalued or less than who they truly are 
you know, ladies, I think everybody can really relate to this, especially when starting off coming to union meetings. And when you first start working with the union, you feel like, man, they got more years than me. What do I know? You know, that was my biggest intimidation when I first started uh, volunteering my time with the local and everything was that all these people know way more than me. What can I tell them or what can I help them with? And you hit it on the money and now I know the name of it, which is even better. So, you know, that just, everybody goes through it. So, so was this on the imposter syndrome? This wasn't its own class, right? It was part, part of a class that you guys took? Yeah, it was one of the keynotes one month. Oh, okay. So okay. it was discussed at great length and a lot of different examples are used. And it just, I guess it makes you feel a little bit better as a person and knowing that you're not the only one who suffers from it and it, to have an actual name for something, you know, makes you feel better. So was there, not like a favorite class, but like was there a class for any of you that kind of made you open your eyes or realize something about you or kind of how the world works, any of you? I guess the stereotype threats, um, having new people come into a department and just trying to welcome them in instead of them you know, feeling out of place. I'm just going to read the definition. Mm -hmm. Stereotype threat is a predetermined false impression or oversimplified image or truth about an individual or group regarding their habits, behaviors, abilities, characteristics, etc. Yeah, um, like there's some people, you know, that don't understand how the HCC works, hourly communication um, channel, because of their abilities. So Everybody in the body shop seems to work, um, look out for one another, you know, helping everybody through it. And I know from working in a factory, <clears throat> I'm sure we're all guilty of this. When you have people in that large a facility, you, they move a right. lot. They come into different departments, right. and it, it never fails. Oh, well, so-and-so is coming into this department, and they're this, or they're that. Right. And people get preconceived notions about who's coming into their area. And whether it's been yourself, it's like extremely hurtful. I've tried my whole life to like say, all right, get that out of your head. You know, go to that person, talk to that person, see who they truly are. And it teaches you how to have these conversations instead of being aggressive towards that person. You know, like it's really easy to be, hey, you don't don't do that, you know, give that person a fair chance and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's really easy to get angry at these situations. But like, typically, when you just shout back at somebody, they're going to shut down. So it teaches you to be mindful and have a meaningful conversation and get to the root of the problem. It's really unfair to judge someone on words from someone else's mouth. So how do you have those difficult conversations so like if you see like bullying like that how would you approach it to keep an open conversation um wow that's difficult right unless yeah, it's mean, right it there is. in your face it really <laughs> right. is because a lot of times people don't want to get involved in those conversations right. and I, I know Bev had brought up if you're just complacent or quiet about it you're part of the problem you have to think of a constructive way to say you know hey what's really the problem and why do you feel this way explore those feelings and it's not easy you always get a lot of so-and-so sad or I heard this and well have you talked to them 
Mm-hmm. You know, it it's difficult. We spend a lot of time with people at work. We're with each other eight hours a day, sometimes more. Yeah. <laughs> right? And we become family on the plant floor. And it's really easy to get caught up in those moments and have anger or not like someone or something. I mean, if you just take the time and just actually try to find out what is simply going on, you can eradicate the problem. It doesn't always work, but it's worth a try. I know yesterday I actually introduced the original first group as it's time to start having that uncomfortable conversation. And how can we start doing that and become more united and together? And part of the united front was started so we could start understanding what we do as individuals, how we can apply ourselves, and actually just be better humans to each other. I mean, and implicating that on the floor in general is, you know, um, we bring up temps, how they're stereotyped, or female workers that might be stereotyped, well, they can't do it, or they should, or people who work faster or slower. If you have a day off or you have FMLA, we start categorizing. Thank you, Mike. (laughs) You are my pronunciator (laughs) all the time. Love you. How we... We just start putting people in these groups and we need to remember you know, how to bring back that solidarity. Mm-hmm. We're all there, we are all working, we all are on the same mission, part of our core values. It's time to start really bringing that back. So, and I know like, it, it was interesting that you brought up the imposter syndrome because some people may not even realize that they might have had imposter syndrome and maybe COVID might have triggered that. So bring it, you know, we're all in a house, we're all out of sync, we're not doing our normal thing, we can't be around people, we can't socialize. This was, I I really think this was a good time for Fort Wayne to get involved. Um, I'm glad our local got involved. When you were approached to take this class, did you have any mindsets that might have changed for many of you guys? I'm just curious. Did you go in with one mindset going, oh, this is what it's going to be like, and then totally go, whoa. And then it just rocked your world. Well, when I was asked to come out here and be a part of the United Front, to be quite honest with you, I had no idea what it was going to entail. However, uh, once I started involving myself with the Zooms and the topics, it was more relatable than I thought. And so I say that to say stereotypes and threats. And this was brought up earlier, stereotypes. And I'm just going to keep it 100 with you guys because it was brought to me. And it, when this, this topic came up, this was the one thing that immediately came to my mind. Black people in a position at our local, going harder than maybe their white counterpart. And it was brought to me by a Caucasian female as to why this team leader, black team leader, always did over and beyond. And and they felt as if he was making their job harder because he always did over and beyond. And so the Caucasian female came to me and said, hey, Beverly, I want to ask this of you and and I think you'll give me an honest answer. I respect what you have to say. She said, I asked this black male team leader, why did he do so much? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And he said, because as a black man, I have to do more. 
If I did what my white counterpart did, I will be labeled as lazy and unworthy. So I go harder so that I'm not labeled as lazy and unworthy. She said, do you believe that? Why did he say that? And so I gave her an example. Um, I said I would have to agree with him. I said, I, I said because if you look at it and if I sat down and did nothing or appeared that I'm doing nothing, it would, it, you would come to that conclusion. Whereas my white female counterpart sat down, no one would ask him anything. This is just what we've seen. This is, these are things that we actually experience so that we're not labeled. We do more. We, you tell us to do this, we're going to do it. We're going to do it to the best of our ability uh, because we're conscious of that, um, that stereotype that's out there about our race. And we, we embrace our race, but we do not want to embrace being lazy and unworthy. So we do more to show you that, hey, I'm not lazy. I'll, she's a go-getter, you know. So it appeared to you that I'm, I'm just an overachiever, but I'm just trying to dispel the myth that I'm lazy and unworthy. So I took a sociology class, and um, what you're describing, the term is doublethink. So it's prominent amongst African-Americans because they know that there's a stereotype on them. Yes. So this is the example the book gave. So if an African-American man is walking through the store, we all have that narrative that plays in our head. So I'm just going through the store. But double think means an African-American goes through the store with that narrative. And then also people are watching me, expecting me to steal something. It was just really interesting uh, you describing it. And you very well. I mean, because you live it, right? Absolutely. So... Um, that was really cool. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Um, that's honest. Honestly, that's something we're taught as kids growing up in our households is that you have to go 10 times harder with, in whatever you try to achieve and uh, try to accomplish. And it's just, it's engraved in us as kids. So a lot of us take it on in, in the future, but I was taught that by my parents, you know, like, hey, you want to do this? Well, you got to go 10 times harder than the next person. You can't sleep. You can't, you know, you got to do it. Right. And we take that, and it's nothing against our white counterparts, but it's just something that we're taught because we always feel like we have the microscope on us that they're looking for something minute to cancel us from whatever we're trying to achieve. Absolutely. So to confirm the bias that they already have. The person that brought that to me actually left with tears in her eyes because she understood, you know, and like Jamie said, until you start asking questions and, and want to have an understanding is when you will understand why that guy does all that he does. He's not really trying to outshine you. He's just trying to fit in with you and be accepted along with you. So it's, it's sad on one end, but it's, it's our reality. And I, I will just say this as well. When one, when one of the high up managers, I'll just say that higher up, came to me and, and expressed during the George Floyd debacle that she then realized that she was a part of the problem. She thought her being quiet or not saying anything or not being a part of a racist society or doing some things that the Karens do, that she was, she was helping but it was then she realized that her silence was not helping, 
that she needed to make her voice be heard because she was taught in a class where it was all management how the one black higher up manager had to remind his sons if you ever stop by a cop make sure your hands are visible make sure you don't reach for anything make sure you're uh, addressing the cop in a respectful manner because he simply wanted his son to come home at the end of that stop and with the George Floyd case it highlighted that we're all human and these things are happening to one sector more than it's happening to the other white black or indifferent we need to stand up if we see it happening regardless of our race, creed, or color, because we are of the same human race. We all bleed red. And for that, General Motors took an eight-minute silent stance and recognition, something they never did in my 26 years of being at this plant. And I was so proud that it's, it's like they're saying, we see you, we got you, and we're standing up. And that's great. How can we get um, GM to look at, um, because GM is diverse. We have not only black, white, brown, Asian. We have everybody. We have the LGBTQT, if I said it right, community. How can we get them to recognize everyone as a whole? Everyone, you know, and not just because when it comes to this, we can do the black, white issue forever. And that's right. one of the biggest issues. But how can we get some light shined on those other groups, too? Because a lot of them feel left out. So, it, like you said, it's bigger than GM. It's our communities, our schools, other workplaces. It's the world as a whole. So I think um, with this united front, it is giving us tools, if that's what you want to call them, to break these conditioned stereotypes. And a lot of times we do it like unconsciously we don't that's we're so conditioned no matter i mean it's how you grew up in your home where you grew up where you went to school you do these things without even recognizing you're doing them and with this uh these classes like it gives it a name and it gives it a way to break it down and handle it in a, a positive manner and i feel like we need to break all this toxic stereotype bullshit that goes on in the world and it's not going to just take me or Bev or Keisha or Heather or any of you guys it's going to take all of us pushing this message forward we have to break those toxic cycles we have to do it there's no other way and like then we go into allyship you know I may not understand what Bev goes through as a black woman because I'm a white woman. I mean, we, we're both women, so there's a whole other thing we've got in common there. We're women, and we face those stereotype threats as well. I may not understand it, but I can empathize with her, and I can, I can walk through together with her to beat all this racism and all these awful things that happen. You don't have to go through it, but you do have to be an ally, and you have to walk through with others to understand it. Uh, the group yesterday was talking a lot about empathy. So that's the key there, right? You don't have to experience it, but just be willing to walk in someone else's shoes and listen, really listen to what they're telling you they're experiencing. Right. And that's, I think that's the key because we all have individual unique experiences 
and you may not understand mine and I may not understand yours, but hey, listen to me, let me tell you about it. I think it would be a good time because, you know, we have a panel full of women <laughs> and we're the we're men at GM, but we don't even understand what you ladies go through on a daily basis just by being at GM. You know, there's there's different uh, you you ladies, I want to say, walk a different line than we have to. And you have to watch yourselves and watch how, what kind of type of uh, vibe you put out or, you know, or what you don't put out. And I want you to ladies like watch to how hard we work, yeah. don't work, hard, what yeah. we wear, if yeah. we put lipstick on, yeah. if we smell good. And this will be a great time to explain your stories of what you guys have went through or ladies. I'm sorry. <laughs> you ladies have went through. I was told one time, and this happened at my old local, and it was actually a mentor of mine, and he's still a dear friend of mine. So um, there was a particular job I wanted to do, and I was really passionate about it. And he said, I don't know if that's going to be a good fit for you, Jamie, because you have young children at home. And I was just absolutely floored. I might have thrown around a few choice names at him, and I, how dare you, and you know, I'm like, you can go do this, but I can't. What's the difference? Um, like I said, we're still good friends to this day, but um, it's really eye-opening to have a man tell you, you can't do this because you have young children at home. And I was like, don't you have young children at home as well? Don't you need to stay home and raise your children as well? I mean, for the record, I have two boys and they were raised wonderfully and they're amazing amazing human being um a lot of times we get told that we can't do something but you best believe we're going to prove you wrong myself as a female as a survivor of trauma we'll say i didn't realize that i was assessing situations in the safety of the situations in making split second decisions until there was an actual title for it and that's more introspective. So like when you talk about it, you're like, oh, I, I literally do that. I don't realize I'm doing that. But every time I'm in a public space or at a restaurant or anything else, you are assessing the situation and seeing what your safety is, your safety level, your, your comfort zone. And it's not just race related. It's not just sex related. It's it's every person has some sort of safety level that they are assessing. Well, I know. I, I think I was a temp and I was on a motor line putting on the gores on the radiator or no uh, radiator line. And I actually had someone tell me, I don't know why they keep putting girls on this job. You can't do this job. And I'm like, you see me throwing these on here? Like, get out of my face. <laughs> or like, I actually, I put my name on the ballot, ran for alternate. Because I was hired full-time, and I, I could. So I put my name on so many people. I'd never vote for a female. I'm like, that is crazy. We run our homes, and we work. And <laughs> so it's it just, just kind of biases. But I like to go back to what Heather said, you were describing the high-context dependency, um, looking for your way outs and analysis. And I think... That might actually be why I just stay on the job I'm at, close to exits, I'm by myself, don't have to work next to a lot of people. I know everybody I'm working around. 
very seldomly do I have to work with somebody different. Um, so I didn't know that I'm making my comfort zone, you know, um, even shift preference to that same job. And I didn't think about that until I, like we were sitting in here yesterday or yesterday and talking about things, but we never talked about the different ways women, we have not brought up the women part and how women are treated different. So I kind of do find that real interesting. Um, I know I try not to like single anyone out, but when I worked, I came to a different department when I first got hired in. The team leader looked at me, he said, oh great, I don't like women on my team. I said, I don't care. I still gotta go to the bathroom. I don't care, you're still gonna, I'm like, what? why would you even say something like that? But he's like, oh, I was just kidding. But it runs back into microaggressions. microaggressions. And I'm like, so sometimes we we do tend to get, it's more like you, you gotta show that, hey, I can still work, I can still do this, I can still, whatever, hold my own. Have to prove it? Yeah, like why? We have all these different inequalities, but we're all still human. We're, we're all still the same. We still have feelings. We still come to work, do our jobs. We still have home lives. You know, we're all still human. And part of this class is learning how to implement it all through the plan, get the words out through our community. Um, I'm, I can't even say I'm so glad that this, this group was formed and that our local was able to get involved. And I'm super proud of Local 2209. We, I mean, I'm sitting on a panel here with all these lovely ladies, and we're all part of leadership in, one, in some form or another. And we, we bring a voice to the workplace for everyone, including women. It's just we've been held back. And like I, I keep saying, it's that, it's that same to toxic rhetoric that – the man is head of the household, and the man does this. And but you know what? We make money. Um, we can support ourselves. We're just fine. <laughs> I don't. I also want to say I'm not gonna buttercoat nothing, because women hate on women too. We might be our own worst enemy at times. I always try to make eye contact. I, I don't know. I do it more with the women at work now. When I worked at Parkview, it was like with your, when you're in 10 feet, make eye, eye contact with it, within five feet or whatever, say hi. So I do that at work. Sometimes my f head's buried in my phone, but I try to implement it now that I'm mm -hmm. like, man, I got into this kind of like introvert cocoon for a while, and I'm trying to do it again. Like, oh, I got to start talking to people and I got on third shift and everybody's like, I don't know, I got a different mindset. Second shift, I was a lot better on it. But, <laughs> um, but just going in, hi, how are you doing? Good morning. And trying to do that actually over the time has helped me get back into conversations with people. And I'm slowly getting back into those uncomfortable conversations too. Um, so I, I was just gonna throw that out. And I didn't wanna say, hey, I don't think any of these women are bashing other women, mm -hmm. but we, we tend to do that sometimes ourselves too. Mm -hmm. Definitely. For me, as a woman, I don't look at that as a handicap. Um, my mindset is that of if there's something I want to do, I'm going to do it regardless of what the naysayers say or think. 
Um, as I said earlier, if your why is strong enough, your how will take care of itself. Mm-hmm. So your why has to be so deep that it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what Jack, John, Amy, or Jill says. It matters what's deep inside of you. You know, your why has to be strong enough to make you cry. It has to be so strong that it doesn't even matter what they say. You just keep going. You might fall. You might slip. But you get back up and you keep going. You keep your eye on the prize. Not on what's being said beside you or behind you. It's what you're looking for in front of you. And as long as you keep fighting to get there, you will have to fight. But trust and understand, you will get there as long as you stay strong enough long enough and your why is that big your how will take care of itself what she said (laughs) yeah (laughs) that was awesome yeah it kind of ties into like what I tell my kids all the time and it's as simple as this my son comes home mom my teacher doesn't like me well why well you know and then Mm -hmm. come the laundry list of excuses and stuff and it'd be really easy for me to be like well i'm gonna give her a call and give her a piece of my mind (laughs) but i explained to him um she has 300 kids come through her classroom in a week's time i said not everyone in this world is going to like you or are you going to like them every and that's just a fact of life but you have to get over those differences and one of the ways to get over those differences i always tell my kids prove them wrong prove them wrong if they think you're lazy or not doing enough prove them wrong or you're not fit for the job and like what exactly what bev said bev bev said it perfectly and i'm like go ahead and prove them wrong keep pushing forward yeah Uh, (laughs) i can't really add anything you guys have described it so well well and i you know with taking this class and implementing it on the floor it'll bring it back to the allyship you guys will know Mm -hmm. who your allies are you can get that word across and other individuals will know that they have an ally in you as well we can help each other why get to how so i think that's that's, that could be very crucial for a lot of young people that are on the floor too like they don't know who they can go to Mm -hmm. i know that's kind of how i felt you know when i came in i was a woman everybody was doing this or doing that and i'm like how am I getting hung out to dry and why? So I asked questions and then when I got asked questions, I was kind of like I was castized. But if we make ourselves open to other members so they know that, you know, hey, do you think about this or do you know about that? Or if you ever need anything, come to me or just being open. <laughs> we'll keep our solidarity as a whole at Local 2209. And solidarity is a core value of the UAW for sure. And there's also like, I have a lot of friends and acquaintances that have differing opinions than mine. And again, tough conversations when it comes down to it. And I, a lot of times we get angry, like, oh, well, you're scared of gay people or trans or, uh, and I would just get angry. And I would just give it right back to them. And I'm like, whoa, like, I'm no better than them. Because you, like, you feel like they deserve it, though. Right. I mean, at the at, in the moment, it yeah. felt great. And yeah. then, like, you walk away and you're like, I'm no better than they are. And you realize you had a chance then to, 
to right. have that conversation mm-hmm. and they might learn something there. So, and I, I went through it with a, a friend of mine and I was, and he would constantly just say, oh, gross, or this is wrong. or, And I finally sat down with him and I was like, why do you think it's gross? Well, because it is. And I'm like, no, I really want to know why. And like, I don't understand everything all the time either. It's much easier to reach out and ask questions. And it's hard to do that because you're putting yourself out there when you're asking someone a personal question. Mm -hmm. And if you could tell them, I just don't understand. I want to understand. I want to know why. And then once you understand it, and then maybe you could break someone else's fears just by sitting down with them and having an an actual conversation instead of a screaming match or hurling insults. Like I said, it feels really good in the moment. You're like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I got him or I got her, you know, this is what I did. But then you actually end up at the end of the day feeling like complete crap because you did the same thing Mm -hmm. that that person did. What's interesting about that, though, um, with the poking and prodding, when you keep force, you force it to come out, asking them why and making them explain themselves or their mm-hmm. their their justification for it. a lot of times they haven't even thought it through yet right mm-hmm. right it's just exactly mm-hmm. and this conversation is probably not going to happen in just five minutes it no. might take days or months or years i've had moments where myself i'm like oh my god like after a time i get it i understand it okay you have to be really like i said mindful about this stuff that is challenging trying to mm-hmm. stay aware all the time it is Oh, it is difficult. And it's like, I'm aware, I'm woke, I understand it, why don't you get it? So patience. You really have to have patience. As much as I want everything to change overnight, it's not going to. But we'd still have to keep the ball moving forward. I would like each of you to tell me, like, what what is the most important thing that you've taken from this class? Honestly, just being more introspective as far as awareness of your behaviors, of the people that are around you and their behaviors as to why they may react the way that they do. It's more of an open conversation and go, hey, why are you like this? Or why are you affected by this? And then also reacting yourself. Why are you reacting this way? And then when you have that openness, you can kind of correct self-correct or try to teach not preach and it becomes more of a self-guided meditative i guess openness as far as your self-awareness and then possibly doing some sort of positivity and it radiating to other people so you're saying like try and catch yourself on those knee-jerk reactions and then start poking at yourself why why do i jump to that conclusion and then you can just kind of unravel it all on your own, basically. Right. So nobody's perfect. Right. We all have preconceived notions or feelings or reactions. Mm-hmm. But getting down to the understanding of yourself helps you understand other people. Okay. I like it. Uh, Jamie? I think I have a bigger sense of empathy with this. And I have taken time to like slow down a little bit and take other people's feelings into consideration. Like I said, I always feel like I've always been a great ally to many, many, many people, but I feel like I could be a better ally. And we really need to get this message out 
to everyone. It's up to us to break this toxic cycle. I probably repeated that several times, but it's not just going to take all of us in the room to stop it. It's going to take everyone everywhere to stop it. And we just can't stop. No matter what, we have to keep pushing forward with this because it's the right thing to do. Well, I'm glad it's just a platform out there that's uh, putting all the different challenges that folks are facing, whether it be ethnicity or um, division in the workplace, whatever it is. And if you find that you are a part of that, you want to make adjustments opposed to excuses and become the change that you're looking to see. What I learned in this is how to accept people the way they are and sticking up for, you know, coworkers and I don't know, anything they may be going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I'm guilty of that, too. Like, I'll see things that – so I'll use work as an example. I'll see things going on, and I'm like, well, that person should stick up for themselves. And I always justify in my head that if they cared that much, they would do it on their own, that I shouldn't need to be a voice. And how does it look for me to step in mm-hmm. with they won't even stick up for themselves? Right, but they but, – like- they yeah. need something. Yeah. You need that. Mm-hmm. You need somebody. I mean, I can't think of being a voice for them. Right. And mm-hmm. when people stick up for me, like that is the greatest feeling. I know somebody's got mm-hmm. my back. So right. yeah. that's something mm-hmm. that I need to work on too. And sometimes you're just simply scared. Yep. That's a real fear. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So before we finish, is there any final thoughts you guys wanted to share before we go? Speak now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> All right, well, uh, thank you guys for being here. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having us.